Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Come on. That's what I love. Check, check. Checkity check. <laughs> Yo. All right, I'm going to open up today's band to a little freestyle rap. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to beatbox. Mitch. <coughs> I, I, I can do some... Um, yeah, come on. Oh, yeah. That's the next instead of my um, beatbox. Oh, we're drinking Fanta. Oh, going to do Fanta. Yeah. What yeah. else runs with Fanta? I don't know. That, that's just pigs and goats really fast. Pigs got, and goats? Yeah. Oh. Pigs and goats. And pigs oh. And goats. See, I'm more of a dogs and cats guy. There you go. Dogs and cats and pigs and cats and pigs and cats. Yeah, so it's really easy. Yeah, there you go. That's about the extent of my um, beatboxing talent. Yes. Well, welcome to Banter. Yeah. I'm Murray. This is Mitch. If you didn't know, we're very white. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, we, we want to create a safe space for all of our listeners, so we just yes. want to desperately try and do some cultural appropriation yeah. this morning. <laughs> There's nothing more enticing than trying to desperately culturally yes. appropriate. Oh, no. Mitch, how you doing, bro? I'm well. I'm uh, very well. You got a spark in your eyes this morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Rachel, home, it's been a lot nicer than not having a home I bet. hospital. So Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So that's good. good. So good. And you good. finally were able to get a bit of a workout in. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what were you doing this morning? Um, I actually got the I got um I only did my warm up and then Rach mm. called the baby'd woken up. So okay. yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> but, um, that's right. I might do something later on. Yeah. But last couple of days I've got a workout in. Yeah, so about six thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, nice. Pretty fresh. Yeah, I bet. Sunday morning there's frost on the grass. That Come was, on. Yeah. yeah. By the end my feet were pretty numb. So yeah. you know. I've got a uh, cousin who um, teaches at a school up the central coast. And there was like literal, like, it looked like snow on the ground. Mm. There was like so much frost when she got there in the morning the other day. She like put up on social media. Mm. It's insane how like cold this winter is looking. I mean, it's not technically not even winter yet. Yeah. It's like the second last day of autumn. But yeah. I love a cold winter. It makes yeah. you feel alive. I agree, man. Yeah. I'm definitely, I think we've had this conversation yeah. before. I'm more of a cool guy, yeah. definitely. Get out on the balcony uh, in the morning. Yeah. Wakes you up. Who needs Tuss, coffee when yes. you got... <laughs> Cool breeze. So I like. So I have my cold showers now. You feel like, oh, I feel alive now. Yeah. You doing cold showers every morning? I am. Yeah. Wow. It's been um. <laughs> I do. I jump on the van wagon. Everyone, you can. Even if you just start like, just have like a normal shower, then just turn off the hot at the end and What's just the cold. Get in there. It's come on. Yeah, it's good for you. No. Just Google YouTube. For your immune system. system it's <laughs> immune system, depression, recovery from exercise. There you go. Sleep. Yeah, there's there's like a whole bunch of factors which just show that it's really good for you. That's Getting sad. those cold showers in. Yeah. Look, it. I'm more of a hot coffee guy than a cold shower <laughs> to wake up in the morning, but each their own. Mm. Um, so we've wrapped up our Great Commission series. Mm. I don't know what has been going on. I've like listened back to a few episodes of Band. I feel like I've called the Great Commission the Great Commandment like oh, almost every sorry, time. Sorry. I don't know why, but I didn't we'll notice. So. Well, it's a bit of a Great Commandment. Like, it's not wrong, but it's not right. <laughs> and, like, yeah, even the word Great Commission, that's just a made-up title we've given it. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's nowhere not... in the Great Commission, <laughs> the word commission. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, Great Command works too. Yeah, it, is yeah. a, it is a command. Come know? on, thanks, so, you know, but I support that. Back well, let's, 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 let's make a petition for that <laughs> and the, the Bible's to change the heading to the Great Commandment. Come on, ladies. Just uh, click the link in the uh, description <laughs> of the episode and we'll get that changed straight away in the NIV. Yeah. So finishing this off, I think that there was a lot of stuff to kind of look to in both mm. 
how this wraps up the Great Commission, how this wraps up the Gospel of Matthew, and how this sort of harks back to previous Old Testament ideas. Mm. But for you kind of coming to a wrap-up of this series, what's the big thing that you really hope people would take away, walk away with? Big thing for me is to say that discipleship's not just for the professionals in ministry, mm. um, and that's what I really wanted to hammer home with the like the Emmanuel sermon yeah. was that, yeah, and particularly like I said on Sunday, particularly being in that hospital space this month, it's mm. like how do you do ministry when you're caring for someone, and yeah, and that's why I finished with that quote with um. Henry Newen, when mm. he looked after um, Adam, that man that was severely disabled, it was like, like he, for him, he saw that was the gospel being played out. Mm. It's like, well, this is part of, yeah, making disciples and teaching commandments is by expressing the love that Jesus did. Now, it wasn't in Matthew's gospel, but John, I was reading John's gospel yesterday in chapter 13 when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's like, that's part of it. And of course, like, you're going to. Yeah show love to your spouse and kids. But I think sometimes we can divorce and go, well, I'm not really doing ministry by not, yeah, I, I'm looking after a sick relative or I just go to work or I'm retired and I'm doing special. And I mean, it was just a, I don't know, a great lesson for me to realise that wherever we're called to what season, we still need to be faithful to that final commandment Jesus mm. gave. And that may look different our context perhaps we're not being called to go to the nations like Mm. the ong family Mm. or others but wherever we're called to we still need to be reflecting jesus Mm. Um, still be reminded of his authority over heaven and earth Mm. and going okay like this situation i mean it's not because of fate or chance like god's in control of it in that weird way where we don't truly Mm. understand Mm. um yeah i'm we as, as a church we're still called to be sharing the love of Jesus with our neighbours, our mm. friends, our families. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Baptizing is obviously a bit harder. We're not doing that on a daily basis. But I also, I remember doing a sermon when I first started here about baptism actually being about demonstrating what Jesus, um, his death essentially. Like mm. in a sense, baptism is death to our old life and coming up a new life. Like essentially, we should be getting baptized and they got that in inverted commas each mm. and every day yeah of like taking up our cross no way of describing taking up our cross yeah, is yeah, by yeah. being baptized we're going to die to ourselves. we're going to pick up the new life of jesus and mm. yeah and then when you're teaching others obviously you need to be teaching yourself and being fed and then that reminder that jesus is with us so i could see it as like yeah, yeah sure there's times we need to be doing yeah. we have to have church services we need to run our small groups we mm. need to be doing strategic like ministry outreaches to mm. but yeah, I recognize for a large chunk of our congregation, they're not involved in that stuff. And so mm. it can just feel a bit like, well, I have no role and just sort of sit on the sidelines mm. and going, well, actually, just a, a reframe in like, okay, how I treat my spouse, this is going to be reflecting mm. the Great Commission, how I treat my colleagues, yeah. how I treat the random barista I get my coffee from. Yeah. And I'm actually... I'm Although, sh- to be fair, Dave's not that random. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mean. I know. Yeah. But a big shout out to you, Murray. I'm always impressed by your stories down at the park. Like, see, that yeah. to me is just living out the Great Commission. You're yeah. like, you're not going over to smack people in the head with the Bible. You're just there to be authentic and genuine. Yeah. And yeah, you've managed to you know, invite a few families to church. Yeah. And even though you're just sharing about that pastor, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool, man. You're just out there hanging out, yeah. playing with George. Yeah. But that's fulfilling the Great Commission. You're not jumping on a plane, no. learning another language. You're just no. going outside the apartment. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what I see is being authentic to what Jesus has called yeah. us to thanks, do. Man. And we can all do that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. And I think mm. that, yeah, it is one of those things that 
for me, um, I think like being on the other side now, because, you know, I've sort of, you know, had the privilege that most people in our congregation haven't, which is, you know, I've been just a congregation member mm. and then I've been, I shouldn't say just a congregation <laughs> member because mm. that's definitely yeah. not the point that I'm trying to make <laughs> yeah, right now. I've been a congregation member and now I've been in more of a pastoral capacity. Mm. I think one thing that um, probably would very quickly make sense for most people is there are uh, actual limitations to like being a pastor. One yeah. is you actually are on a daily basis making contact with a lot less sort of non-Christians mm. than most people who are in a secular workplace. Mm. So the opportunity to build relationships and have those conversations um, immediately is diminished in that capacity. Mm. I think the other thing is, I, you know, it's something we've spoken about before, but in the sort of line of discipleship, important to recognize that, I mean, Jesus only discipled 12 people mm. in a very intimate way. Um, he was the perfect human mm. <laughs> and he had limitations. Mm. Um, so likewise, just, you know, sort of bouncing off what you've already said, we as the pastoral team mm. um, aren't able to disciple intimately yeah. and deeply every person in the way that a, I think a, a true model of discipleship mm. is relational. I mean, mm. you look at the way that Paul speaks about a, a Timothy, right? And, and the way that he loves him like a son, mm. you know, I think that that is, um, yeah, quite a potent example of the intimacy and relational aspect of discipleship that, you know, people only have so many hours in the mm. day. There's only so many relationships you can Dude. go that deeply. And so, I think the reality is for us all as a bigger congregation of 100 plus people mm. to be growing, it does require for people within our congregation to be discipled and mm. discipling by not just people who are, you know, have the title pastor yeah. in front of their name or behind their name. Mm. Um, and I think that that is a big part of it, that ultimately mm. as well, there are people in our congregation who are a lot more similar with each other than you or I mm. are with them because, you know, maybe they have a similar occupation to one another. Maybe they have similar hobbies and interests to one another. And I think that that's another thing for me that I've been really encouraged by that discipleship is relational. Mm. And I think that Jesus is the cornerstone of that relationship, but it's actually really helpful and like, actually a, a plus to have common interests outside mm. of that. You go, so much of Jesus's discipling <laughs> was also just doing life yeah. with these people. Yeah. Um, when I was at college and I did some mission subjects, we I did a subject called intercultural teaching, mm. which was fascinating how other cultures learn. Yeah. And most cultures learn by rote learning and by observation, which is exactly what like Jew, the Jews did. Sure. And you see, like the Proverbs, like they were designed to be rote learned mm -hmm. and Jesus just wandering around. And I remember the book, one of the books I read, just like the bulk of Jesus' teaching happened in like random moments. It wasn't at the synagogue. Yeah. There's very few encounters of Jesus at yeah. the synagogue or the temple. It's yeah. him walking along the road. Oh, yeah. there's a person who's blind. That's yeah. it. Let's use this as an object lesson to teach. Yeah. Or, yeah. And, that, and I guess... That was the difference in the ancient world was when you are a disciple of Mathetes, you would basically live under the teachings of yeah. your, your rabbi or yeah. master. And that was it. Like that was how you spent your life. Yeah. And obviously we can't mirror that today because, well, Jesus is Emmanuel, but yeah. he's not here bodily. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, just um, yeah, recognizing that that is Christians and will never walk a life that every day, everyday moments is actually can be very holy and sacred mm. there's yeah, getting rid of that whole oh this is the sacred time of 
like ministry. It's like, well, yeah, there's certainly special times where you do it, but recognizing all time is God's time. I love what one Peter says, you know, be prepared to preach the gospel yeah. in season, out of season. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing about that is that it's actually sometimes the out of season stuff that. Yeah. And I tell people that actually the real ministry here, it doesn't happen on Sunday morning. It's mm. throughout it's throughout the week. That's yeah, where like yeah. the real meat sort of happens. Because when you're engaging with different members of the community and yeah. different members of the church in a way that, like, you know, not to knock the Sunday service, that's an important part of it. But yeah, that's when you're doing life, like you say, with people, that's the yeah. important part, sharing life together. Yeah. And I, I think even building on that idea of the Sunday service, recognizing for me, and I, I think you'd agree with this because you've kind of said it before, mm. the, um, the morning tea after, mm. like that is part of the service. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm guilty of this. Like when I'm emceeing or whatever, mm. sometimes being like, okay, guys, like that's the end of the service. It's like, well, actually, no. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, we spoke about this before, like church history. You look at like the love feast, the mm. meal that was shared with people who'd come together. Like that was a massive part of it. Mm. And, you know, there is nothing sort of uh, super liturgical or sacramental about that. Right. Um, in a large part, like it's, I'm sure that there's like an element of communion that you could bring into mm. that in the Eucharist, but there's something more than just the symbol of you yeah. know, the Eucharist. There's also the idea of actually just breaking bread together and that being, you know, incredibly important to building mm. community, building relationship. Yeah, particularly in the early church where if you're being persecuted, um, yeah, having a commonality. And that's what the, was unique about the gospel back mm. then. It was that um, like when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians about the like the misbehaviors with the com- with Holy Communion, yeah, it was yeah. because the rich were eating before the poor. Yeah. Where that's what kind of scholars have worked out is yeah. the, the poor slaves had to work where the rich had lots of free time. And so they're yeah. eating and then like, oh, none left for you. And he's saying, yeah. actually, no, 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 like... That's you're in the outside world. Yeah, you may be a master, you may be a slave, but in this space, you're all equal. Yeah. That's what Paul says in Galatians, in, in Christ is neither male or female, slave or free, Jew yeah. or Greek. He's not saying that, you know, we suddenly lose our like yeah. identity, but it's the idea is that we're all equal in Christ. It's not yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, which is. Yeah, our identity comes second yes. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite revolutionary. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we hear that so much. It's like, oh, yeah, kind of not, but don't know if we actually really. Mm believe it yeah but yeah that's what yeah, yeah call the gospel is yeah totally mm-hmm. um i think one, one thing that's been really interesting um there's a really cool book if anyone wants to check it out it's only a couple of pages long really it's maybe a hundred and something mm. pages it's called workship by Kara martin and i've found it really um it's, it's one of those things and i think that's so often the case with you know the most important revelations you're like oh yeah like that's, I kind of already knew that. My mm. head knew it, but my heart kind of didn't. Yeah. And uh, she used this really great example. She was um, in the book. She gives a bunch of hypotheticals about, okay, cool, like, you know, it's a couple of chapters in. Let's start thinking about how does this idea of working within a secular workplace and, and it being worship um, actually look practically. So it gives a couple of different examples, different mm. industries and different, you know, sort of dilemmas, I suppose, that have come mm. up where somebody, for whatever reason, is conflicted in their faith and work Mm. um but ultimately at the end she goes um was the best solution hypothetically in any of these to quit or to leave Mm. she's like ultimately no like you can't change something from the outside like you're going to be a much more effective advocate for change Mm. from the inside now look there's probably some people who are maybe you know 
in the situation where you should get out. You know, if you're involved in some like drug, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know, yeah. conglomerate or something, yeah, maybe get out. But I think overwhelmingly, um, you know, we see this idea of being a catalyst for change, ultimately being something which comes from inside mm. an organization, inside a community, rather from the outside. Yeah. I think that for me was a helpful encouragement yeah. because I think that so often we can see our workplace um, as unsalvageable mm. and as irredeemable. Um, and ultimately, you know, the idea is to be a almost subversive force mm. from within um, rather than this idea of, you know, being so countercultural that you're no longer in the organisation. Mm. Sure, me, when we did the present people training, they mm. had that little case study of, I can't remember the guy's name in the story, but he was part of a remote control yeah. club. And yeah. then when he became a Christian, he kind of left the club to yeah. do more church stuff. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then actually it was like, actually, no, you need to be part of that club yeah. to help yeah, yeah, share yeah. Jesus with those guys. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no Christian presence there. It's nothing. Yeah. And yeah, that, and then that's Im- I think that's important. And probably, particularly as we are in a post-Christian culture now, more important than ever. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess when Australia was more Christian, mm. you know, if it really was, but mm. you know, mm. Yeah, it was more acceptable to be part of perhaps a Sunday school. Um, yeah, I think uh, I was saying to my mum. I think uh, I think my generation. Well, I guess our generation. We're the same age. Yeah. It's sort of the the last generation where people would go to Sunday school, like community people. Like, mm. like I remember having distinct memories of just having random like kids come along. Their parents brought them to Sunday mm. school mm. and dropped them off, even though mm. they weren't Christians. Mm. And yeah, that's not really there anymore. But what we need is people. Mm. That's one of the cool things about Sports Chaplaincy Australia. Oh, we need chaplains in like sports. That's where Aussies are. Mm. Like if you were yeah. if you were at college and looking for a mission field, you'd be like, oh, like you, you plan, you're quite strategic. Mm. In, in Australia, you'd be like, oh, we need to be at the sports field. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think for all of us, I've heard this before, but we're all called wherever we are. It doesn't mm. matter. Yeah. Mm. We're into ministry or into the workplace that's mm. that is important and so yeah. yeah bringing the presence of Emmanuel yeah with us and demonstrating yeah. that mm. yeah and I think that um, one thing that's really interesting is this idea of God being with us obviously it's this idea that you know we're not doing this alone mm. um, I actually heard this really great uh, sermon just this morning talking about how ultimately you know the um, I suppose the bar, for lack of a better word, that the Old Testament sets with the law, but also the bar that Jesus sets in his teaching is like, let's be real, like impossible yeah. <laughs> to actually always fulfill perfectly. Mm. But like, that's kind of part of the point. Like you can't yeah. do it in your own yeah, strength. Be perfect you as your father's perfect. Yeah, you're right. Like, oh. You're like, okay, cool. I'll just go and do that by my own strength. Yeah. Like that's the point. Part of the point that Jesus is making mm. is, hey, you can't do this on your own strength. Like, you know, even the Pharisees, you know, are not holy enough, you know, and this idea that, yeah, m- ensuring in all things that we're not striving through our own strength, mm. but ultimately being empowered by the Spirit. Um, yeah, I think that um, one thing, that idea, though, of God being with us and you kind of quickly sort of jumped through a mm. few um, sort of stepping stones of moments in the mm. Old Testament where that's present. I think that um, 
one thing that's really interesting that I've been learning is when you see an Old Testament reference, there's like, okay, cool, yeah, that was there. But so often when you unpack unpack the greater context mm. of that, you go, oh, there's there's actually more richness in mm. this idea than just that God is with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we want to first kind of look at that Joshua yeah. one idea that God yeah. is is with them? What what's kind of going on in that passage? So um. So Joshua has just been take, given the commission from Moses. Mm-hmm. So Moses has, has died in Deuteronomy, and now Joshua is at the the edge of the promised land. And it's, I'll just read out what I've got here. Joshua 1.5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. And Joshua's told to be strong and mm-hmm. courageous. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, not the space to unpack warfare and the yeah, yeah. <laughs> violence in the Old Testament, but... Israelites are called to get rid of the Canaanites yeah. um, through the conquest. And we learn in Numbers that the Canaanites are giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the punishment for the 40 years is that mm-hmm. the 10 other spies are like, oh, we can't do it. It's impossible. And, yep. and so here they are, these people that are really quite poorly armed. Mm. We, we get to take the city of Jericho, for instance. <laughs> the only way to defeat Jericho in ancient warfare was to have siege works. You needed like heavy military equipment. Yeah. They have none of that. Yeah. They march around the city for seven days yeah. and it collapses. Like yeah. it's the scale of, I think when you understand some ancient warfare, just it's like ridiculous. You're like, these are like farmers and peasants going out against yeah. Yeah. giants and kings. And whenever um, Joshua, Joshua often refers to how many kings he mm. defeats mm. and putting his foot on king's heads. And mm. yeah, it's all quite gruesome, but the king represented the most fearsome warrior mm. in your army. And yeah. so if Joshua's defeating all these kings, like, man, this guy's like empowered by God. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not doing this in his own strength. And so yeah. and saying like, just go out and just trust me yeah. what I'm going to do. Because you're going to see some sites that may terrify you. Yeah. Like the city of Jericho would be one of them. But yeah. just, you know, instead of attacking it, just march around it. I'll do all the work. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. And Joshua's an interesting book because it's sort of, promise hey if you do this you'll get all the land but then at the same time too they kind of don't <laughs> they don't <laughs> they don't subdue all the land but yeah. that's the point there is that i will be with you i'll never leave you nor mm. forsake you and that's the idea there is like this is a big task you're called to do yeah going out into a place where there's lots of people who are scary and yeah. intimidating and don't don't recognize mm. god um but no. i love what you were saying just you know with that mm. image of jericho that again, like it's not about them doing it by their own mm. might and power and strength. It's about them being present, mm. yeah. <laughs> trusting in God and ultimately allowing him to do the work as mm. they're faithful to his instruction. Um, yeah, I think that that, I don't know, is a really encouraging mm. sort of image for us going out into whatever space that might yeah. be. And so I guess I, let's put it into the 21st century context. There are just some things we just think, oh, that's impossible. How are we going to get, you know, how are we going to get the money for that? How's that going to happen? Mm. And it's like, well, and this is the point of scripture is that the, the, the ancients were put in, in their equivalent of impossible situations. And that's why they're called to trust. Mm. And, that, and that trust is still there today. And that's mm. what I was trying to tie in um, with looking at these passages and looking at Isaiah 7 and the prophecy of Emmanuel is yeah. that, yeah, they, they, these were signs given in very difficult situations where yeah. like, humanly, like, this is like, like nothing's going to change this. Only God can do it. And so it's yeah. the same call for us. The Great Commission is, it's impossible for us alone. And that's mm. why Jesus has to give us that comfort of, I have authority 
and I'm going to be with you. Yeah. And so that reminder, that kind of sandwich, yeah. and, you know, yeah. go out and do it. Go yeah, make disciples of nations, baptize and teach them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Isaiah 41.10. Yeah. So, it's a, it's yeah, it's a good, good passage. Good it verse. is, actually. Um, do you want to read that one out for us? Well, let's, let's, do, let's do a bit of, um, um, because banter, we can do this. So some co- scholars call Isaiah 40 to 66 Juto Isaiah, second mm. Isaiah, because there's mm. a bit of, it's hard to kind of know because um, Isaiah 1 to 39 is set in the 8th century um, when the Syrian crisis and then a chapters 40 to 66 is written to the Babylonian exiles. Mm. And so it's like, um... Feels like we've done a time jump. Yeah. And so yeah. some people say, oh, he was just writing for the future generation. Some say there was another Isaiah. Anyway, that's not the point. But mm. so it is interesting. So this Isaiah 41 is written to those who are in exile. And so it says, so do not fear. This is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. And mm-hmm. so the sort of framing around that is about coming from exile, mm. about returning. And so there's use a lot of Exodus language. Mm. Uh, it's like a new Exodus. Some yep. people call like Isaiah as, you know, second mm. Exodus coming home, putting streams in the wilderness. Mm. Um, yeah, Babylon was the superpower yeah. of the day. Yeah. And when you've had your city destroyed and decimated and you're yeah. dragged from your home and put in the land for 70 years. Yeah. Like, where is your identity? There's no temple to worship at. There's, And we get a bit of insight from Ezekiel, like mm-hmm. life in exile. Yeah. We know what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo yeah. went through. Um, um, Nehemiah, he's sort of like, th- these are sort of people who lived in, yeah. in exile. And yeah, to return home just seemed like a huge task. Mm. And this is that... It's that promise of like, I'm going to bring you back. Mm. And I see Isaiah as having dual fulfillment. There's obviously a literal return from exile yeah. um, when King Cyrus made a declaration. Yeah. But particularly Mark's gospel, in which it starts off with like Isaiah 40, behold, you know, behold a semi-messenger yeah. before you. It's this, yeah. here's the real exile coming along. Yeah, the exile is yeah, not yeah. just from Babylon, it's from sin and yeah. Jesus coming to do that, to bring in the second exodus for us. Yeah. And yeah, similar to that is like, well, for these mm. exiles who are left wondering about what what mm. God's got in store for them, there's that that promise that yeah. He hasn't left them. And it's a mentality shift, isn't mm. it, to start as people who identify as God's people in the broader story, mm. um, recognizing that the language that is so often used around God's people are that of foreigners mm. <laughs> and sojourners and people who are not yet home mm. and people who are in a land that is not um, God's home turf in mm. the sort of, you know, a sense of the culture of that time. And I think that that, I mean, yeah, both of those passages, mm. you can see how in that wider context yeah. could be so encouraging for someone who yeah. maybe feels like they are a bit of an exile mm. in whatever sort of workplace or community setting they find themselves. And yet to continue to be faithful to God and continue to rely on his instruction and continue to know that he is with them. Um, I don't know. I just think it makes those passages so much richer. And finally, you've kind of already spoken about the sort of the post-exile Ezra and Nehemiah I kind of got the the three eras of um, scripture. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Yeah, so so Haggai. 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 Yeah, it's a tiny little book. It's a call to rebuild the temple. Mm. And so um, the, the... Exiles are back in the land, and 
a, a grandson of King David Zerubbabel. He's mm. the governor of the land, mm. which is interesting. There's no more king as a governor mm. because Judah is just a province of the Persian Empire. Never and then later the Greeks yeah. and then later the Roman Empire. So they never go back to their full strength. And yeah, Haggai, I think, because probably people aren't super familiar with Haggai. Um, Haggai sort of gets stuck in the field and goes, hey, like, you know, why are you guys rebuilding houses and my temples, they're lying in ruin? And almost saying like, hey, you know, because you haven't done this, your crops haven't been growing, you're, you're drinking and you're still thirsty, your clothes can't keep you warm, and all this and that. And there's, and if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, there's certainly mm-hmm. a lot of fear about rebuilding the, the temple. You yeah. see them there like... They're, 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 you know, building with like a sword in one hand and yeah. tools in the other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. gives you a bit of insight to the enemies around them. Mm. And yeah, ancient cities, like your walls and your gates for everything. Mm. You needed protection. So mm. this city that hasn't got walls and gates and, you know, it, it is under the mercy of just mm. violent people. And so it's a fun fact, which is why when you read like a Revelation or a Zechariah, it says the city won't have walls or gates. Mm. That's a sign of safety. Mm. So there's a little hot tip for you when you're reading sort of apocalyptic mm. literature. Like, mm. ah, whenever God talks about a city without gates or walls, yeah, like, oh, it means the gates it's safe. always being open. Yeah, kind of it means yeah. it's safe. You don't have to worry about any danger. So, mm. and so Haggai is there just saying, you know, I'll read it here. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people: I am with you, declares the Lord. It's a bit of a mouthful there, mm. and so and it's an encouragement to Zerubbabel and um, to the high priest called Joshua that you know and the whole remnant that they're to keep building the house of God mm. to, to do this. And mm. we do read about that in Ezra when they put the cornerstone down and there's such a shout that can't tell if there were people crying or people rejoicing. Mm. And yeah, the exile isn't post-exilic periods interesting because obviously, yeah, the glory of Solomon's temple gone, mm. it's a shadow of what it was. But the point is, even though it's not as glamorous, God is there with them. Even though Judah mm. is now just a province under Persia, Greeks, and later the Romans, God's promises are there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think the post-exilic period, I find that correlates a little bit to how I feel the church is probably here in Australia. At sure. least. We're probably in this, yeah. in this post-Christendom, we've sort of lost our status. Like, yeah. oh, churches are declining. Yeah. You know, we can think. I think back 30 years ago when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember churches being full. There's lots of volunteers, people. And kind of look now, and it's this oh, it almost seems like this sad state, but God's still working and mm. God's spirit. The kingdom's growing across Africa and Asia and South America. Mm. And it's like, well, okay, God's not moving as he used to here in the West, mm. but he's moving across. And so who knows what God's going to do in that? And mm. so. Yeah, it's a reminder to remain faithful, mm. even when it seems, oh man, this temple's like it's rubbish compared to what we had or compared yeah. to what the other nations have. But yeah. it's a sign of God's promise. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Massive. Yeah. Look, I, I think that ultimately also in each of those, in, in, in various ways, mm. it sort of goes into this point that you made of God using crisis to expose our faith. Mm. That once we're at the end of ourselves in a situation, yeah. that is ultimately when we're going to have to rely mm. on God. We're not going to have any other option. Yeah. Did you want to speak a bit more about that? Obviously, Emmanuel, yeah. Yeah, that idea of Emmanuel yeah. in the midst of crisis. But also mm. I was really intrigued by the idea of God using crisis to expose our faith. It's maybe mm. not something that we think about a lot. <laughs> no, well, 
particularly in the West, our, our idol is really happiness. <laughs> and so if you strive for happiness in life, you have to eradicate anything that makes you unhappy. Mm. Whereas the, the gospel calls us to you know, be content with what you have in the situation and use that as a way to grow you and to refine you. Mm-hmm. And so, so jumping to Isaiah 7, um, the context, I, I sort of shared it briefly on Sunday, but I'll go through again. So you've got uh, Israel, the 10 tribes of Israel under King Pekah and Aram, which is also called Syria, under King Rezim. And so Aram and Israel form this alliance to attack Jerusalem and they wanted to install their own puppet king um, because king it gets very confusing so <laughs> king Ahaz was in league with Assyria mm-hmm. so you've got Israel and Aram wanting to attack Jerusalem to install their own puppet king because they didn't want Assyria's influence taking over the world Assyria was the, the mega dog of the mm-hmm. day it'd be the China of today yeah. And so you've got two smaller nations trying to yeah. stop Apologies to our American listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so with this threat of um, Israel and Aram attacking Jerusalem, Ahaz is there trying to get ready for warfare. Mm. And Ahaz is a wicked king. There's not really much good to say about him. Mm. And Isaiah is there saying, hey, like, you know, God's going to ask you for a sign. Mm. He's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And the sign is the famous passage I said for Hold the virgin, virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. Mm. And then it goes on there. I'll read it here. It says, um, He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. And so the idea is like this this threat that seems to just be about to destroy you that you're freaking out about. Oh, don't worry about it. Mm. It's going to be. And so we're not sure who gave birth to Emmanuel. Was mm. it Isaiah's wife or because mm. it's just so, yeah, the word virgin so, can yeah, mean like sorry, literal virgin. Yeah. 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 Or it can mean like a woman of um, like young yeah. maid, like yeah. maritable age. Yeah. Um, there's a There was one translation which didn't use the word virgin it said the young woman and mm. people were up in arms mm. but it, it's a legitimate translation you can say virgin or young yeah. woman but um the <laughs> lxx which is the greek translation use virgin and matthew does that so it seems to imply that mm. virgin was the intention and there's a yeah. this is where prophecy can get a bit complex is that so there was a literal fulfillment an actual emmanuel born during that time when of Isaiah's day mm. but Matthew looks beyond that and says, well, there's this dual fulfillment. Like Christ fulfills all scripture. And so, mm. yeah, there was a fulfillment of this little boy called Emmanuel as a mm. sign to Ahaz of his faithlessness mm-hmm. and God's faithfulness to Jerusalem in protecting the city. Mm. But then Matthew sees and goes, well, here's the actual literal virgin, Mary, that yeah. gives birth to a literal son who is actually going to be Emmanuel. Mm. And so... This kind of context of that, and yeah, I like that sort of question. I said, you know, crisis exposes our faith, and mm. and that's part of it. Is um, yeah, it's an expression that the persecuted church uses. Um, you know, we're like tea, pour more boiling water in, more flavor comes out. Mm. Um, yeah, crises are a way to uh, any in any situation in life. Like, how do you respond to different things? Um, my dad used to say, he "Goes, you want to see someone's personality, get them to play sport." Because mm. people who are hyper competitive, it mm. comes out. Mm. People who are like chilled will kind of just 
And I often found that a good litmus test because <laughs> it's actually why I stopped playing sport for a while. Confession was I had like serious anger issues mm. as a young man. Like mm. I get so competitive and angry mm. that I actually recognize that this is not healthy for me. Mm. And yeah, a lot more chilled now, <laughs> I must yeah, admit, yeah, when yeah. I play sport. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, whatever, yeah, who cares? Yeah. It's just a game. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, and so and so that's like, yeah, um, I guess like what Rachel went through in the hospital last month. The worst thing we've gone through, but you know, it's enough. It like pushes you. You're tired. You're fatigued. Yeah. Getting angry. And a few times I did like lose it with the kids. I'm like, sure. he's pushing my buttons. And there was one morning I was, I was like, oh, I'm so angry. You're not listening to me. And the baby screaming and trying to get him out of the house. And I realized actually this is like this is part of test, man. Like I've got to like, what's God teaching me this? I'm like, yeah, mm. not to behave like this right now. I need to yeah. actually like pause, pray, mm. and like calm things down. Be that non-anxious presence. As, yeah. we par- as we pastors love to say. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so, yeah, and that's, yeah, I was saying to someone yesterday at this training course I was at, going through the stuff with Asher is that, weirdly, I'm glad we went through it. Mm. And when we got out of hospital, I was like, I actually kind of miss it because it tests your faith. When you're sort of just living a normal life without crisis, you're not forced to like, yeah, we'd go home some nights and just didn't know if he was going to be alive the next day or not. And so you're praying, you're just trusting God. It's There's something about that. And I love what the author of Ecclesiastes says. He goes, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Mm. And what he's saying is you learn a lot more from a funeral than a party. Because mm. at a funeral, you're like, ah, like what's the important things in life? Mm. And so, so I see what crises do is that you recognize what are the important things in life. Mm. And there's... Uh, is my faith built on something um, yeah, meaningful? I guess mm. that's what the parable of the seeds are. Essentially, that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you know, like, like, like you know, when yeah. trials and tribulations come up, it just burns away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the exact same thing. Mm. So thank you, Jesus, to that. That's probably where I got the idea from. You know, it's there subconsciously in the back of my mind, that yeah. parable of the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. sower. Yeah, I think that's massive, mm. man. And I think that um, hopefully that can be an encouragement and a solace for mm. Yeah, people either in currently mm. amidst of crisis or, you know, hopefully something that they can carry with them yeah. when they go into one. But, yeah, I think that uh, most people could probably um, just anecdotally look mm. back at a really difficult season of life and go, yeah, I grew so much. I, mm. you know, sort of learnt so much in that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just that reminder that ultimately God is with us in that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I think to... Or not, I think I know. <laughs> we worship um, a God who understands our pain and suffering. I've yeah. said this a few times. Like, if you've got sickness, well, Jesus understands what physical pain is. If you've lost a loved one, Jesus understands that. He was separated from the Father on the mm. cross. Mm-hmm. Betrayal, he understands that. But pretty much, it, like, mm. most of the range of human experiences we go through, mm. Jesus can sympathize with that because, mm. well, that's exactly what Hebrew says. Yeah. So, I, so yeah, while we don't understand what goes on. And in the first week of this series, I said it's a paradoxical authority. Jesus is the lion, the lamb. He has authority over heaven and the earth, but mm. yeah, allows things to happen which we don't understand. Mm. And so that's why we just go have that comfort of, well, we have Emmanuel. Mm. So we may not know why things happen. And you know, every day you read the news, you just hear random tragedies. You're like, gosh, like, you know, mm. people just going to work get hit by a car driving crash mm. like whatever it may be mm. and it's like we just don't understand why things happen but mm. yeah i have that trust that god or jesus has all authority over heaven mm. and the earth 
and he's with us. I'm like, okay, that has to be enough sometimes. And mm. I just live with the gray within that, but just yeah. still keep faithfully following him step yeah. by step. Right? And I think talking about those lessons and maturity and, you know, all of those things, intimacy with God that we can develop in those crises, I think that points back to the value and importance of discipleship mm. that ultimately those experiences can then be so valuable in speaking life and wisdom and hope into somebody else who mm. maybe hasn't experienced something like that before, who isn't as mm. far along the path in either their own just personal life or in their spiritual walk. Uh, and I think, yeah, so much of that points back to that value of discipleship, mm. of shared experience, of testimony, of mm. saying, hey, you know what, actually, you know, I may not be experiencing the exact details mm. of what you are right now, but I've I've been through something like that. Mm. And let me assure you, God is with yeah. you. You know, he sees you. And ultimately, like, it's it's going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, I think it's something that we've been encouraging throughout this series. But, um, yeah, maybe to take that bold leap this week, mm. even if sort of you feel God putting someone on your heart right now to touch base with either mm. to disciple or to be discipled. Mm. I think that, um, yeah, we're kind of speaking off mic how ultimately – um, I think there's very few people who wouldn't be incredibly flattered to be asked mm. to disciple somebody. Uh, and I think that there's very few people who wouldn't feel flattered to say, mm. hey, I really see value in you and I want to invest in you and disciple you. I think ultimately the biggest thing in my mind, probably getting in the way of a lot of people or a lot more people in our church discipling one another is that fear of rejection mm. and not being wanted. Yeah. But I think that... Um, yeah, overwhelmingly people would love to disciple and mm. be discipled in a more intimate way. Yeah. And as I said in the first week, the, oh, was well, the second week, sorry, when we did teaching and baptism. Yeah, there's no perfect program. Yeah. Just, just a few core things, you know? Yeah. Just teach people to get in scripture, yeah. pray, and to pick up their cross. Kind of yeah. cover those bases. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest will just happen. Yeah. And so no magic program to follow. Yeah. Just yeah. do life with people. That's it. Yeah, and pray together, read yeah, scriptures yeah. together. Yeah, discipling happens while doing life together yes. a lot of the time. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're at the end of our Great Commission series. Oh, we are, yeah. yeah. That's, Unless that's there was a, a secret verse yeah. I wasn't aware <laughs> yeah, of no, at the end of Matthew. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. So it's, the ongoing, it's the ongoing narrative. Like, like on. uh, one of the commentators I read said that when your narrative finishes with words it kind of implies that it's ongoing for us mm. the story continues we continue that story which mm. i like mm. that idea the story continues but the series doesn't yeah. <laughs> yes. where are we going to we are next? going to go to jeremiah yeah great um yeah and so when i when i was praying about the steadfast sort of vision for this year it was actually jeremiah that was a big part of that mm. I, was li I was listening to a lot of jeremiah and just found his first person narration of the pain he went through in ministry just so uh, I think relevant for someone in ministry but also just for life that mm. yeah someone that can have such a deep love for God also at the same time have just such deep complaints and really just let fly about how he feels about the situation and mm. yeah I, I, I think I did do it <clears throat> briefly touched on Jeremiah 20 last year like he says you know you've deceive me which is almost mm. can be used as a word to describe like raping it's like what like they'd be i think some christians would be horrified at the extent of how the hebrew I think authors, most people would be <laughs> like yeah. just rip into god like just do yeah. not hold back and for me i actually found that so liberating that actually god can handle us 
getting stuck into him yeah. for not and crying out, hey, like you, you are meant to be the one that brings justice. I'm not saying justice. Like, yeah. you know, hurry up, do something. But yeah. and not seeing it as like blasphemy, but just seeing it as part of a very painful way of worshiping. So yeah, yeah and, and I think particularly, yeah, there's a lot going on in the life of our church community. A lot of families going through a lot of uh, stuff, and yeah, while we <laughs> are not a sixth century prophet called to prophesy the destruction of Jerusalem, I think we can, all of us, if we haven't gone through it or we're going to go through it, all in the future can kind of identify Jeremiah and his lament. Mm, the lamenting prophet. <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to start off um, this week with sort of the boring stuff. Boring but interesting. The mm, historical, you're really selling it. <laughs> the historical context. you got to okay, so we're going to do a live banter. Yeah, come on. That's Get excited. Live, live banter. So, gonna, so to understand Jeremiah, you have to understand sort of the geopolitics mm. of the time. And once you get your head around Babylon and and what they were doing and mm. Nebuchadnezzar, the book starts to make sense. Because like, oh. otherwise you're just hearing random names. And you're like, well, I don't get this. But get a bit of context behind mm. the book. and we'll, So we'll do that. We'll look at the... So the, the politics of the era, the mm. kings, mm. and sort of the macro structure of the book. Mm. And then, yeah, looking we'll, forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about Jeremiah. It should be good. Looking forward well, to looking it. Forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for uh, joining us, guys. Um, mm. Looking forward to catching you on Sunday as we start yeah. our series on Jeremiah. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.